0: Hey, you're listening to episode 361 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we're chatting about alcohol and wine and how alcohol is a neurotoxin and why you need to care about the type of alcohol you're drinking. And if you are the type of person who has cut out alcohol completely from your ketogenic diet or low-carb diet or high-fat diet or whatever kind of eating style you're at right now, if you've cut it out because you're terrified of getting out of ketosis or those sorts of things, I have great news for you. There's a company called Dry Farm Wines and they make drinking wine possible. What I love about Dry Farm Wines is they are an alcohol, like a low alcohol wine company. And so you can have a glass of wine with dinner and not worry about being highly intoxicated. That's really important to me. I know for many of you, you might not understand or realize how important that can be for you. So I'm excited to share today's episode and really talk about why alcohol maybe isn't the best and what we can do instead with this low alcohol choice and also the differences of farming and why that matters for wine and what's in conventional wine and how they process it and what to look for. Ooh, it's so good. I hope you really enjoy today's episode. It's with my friend Todd White, who is the founder of Dry Farm Wines. He's a writer, a speaker, a leader in the organic natural wine movement. Todd White has widely educated communities on conscious consumption. Todd is a self-described biohacker who practices daily meditation, Wim Hof breathing, cold thermogenesis, a ketogenic diet, a daily 22-hour intermittent fasting. I mean, he's doing all the things and having a great time doing it. Dry Farm Wines is endorsed by many leading U.S. performance influencers with pure natural wines that are lab-tested to ensure each bottle is sugar-free, lower in sulfites, lower in alcohol under 12.5%. And the wines are friendly to low-carb paleo. Ketogenic and low sugar diets. I love having some of my friends on who own really cool businesses to talk about their passion in life. It is so fun to get to talk to somebody who loves what they do. They've educated themselves in this area and they're just like on fire. I just, oh, it's one of my most favorite things. I really do hope you enjoy today's episode. And if you decide to give Dry Farm Wines a try, you can use the URL dryfarmwines.com slash Leanne Vogel. That's L-E-A-N-N-E, V as in Victor, O-G-E-L, and get your first box bottle for a penny so you like load up your cart and get that extra bottle for a penny. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel and you're listening to the Keto Diet podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Hey, Todd. How's it going?
1: Awesome. Excited to be here. How are you?
0: I'm so good. It's been a while since you've been on the show.
1: (laughs) It has. It has. And as I was telling you, when we started recording, you're in Florida and I am about to move to Florida. So I'm super excited to spend the winter down there.
0: Oh, the winters are amazing. It is so cool right now, but like I'm Canadian originally, and I think this is like our summer weather now in the winter. And so I am happy little duckling. Everyone else is wearing snowsuits and I'm wearing a dress today. So it's it's a good day.
1: (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it was quite cool when I was there. So I I just returned on Saturday, so it was quite chilly, but I know it'll be getting probably stabilized and be warm for the winter soon.
0: Yeah, it's such a perfect temperature. It's a great place to be. I'm really thankful to be here and welcome. It's a great place to be.
1: Thank you. It's good wine weather too.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And that's really why we wanted to have you on. Um, We've chatted a lot about wine in the past and I think for many of the women listening, either they are drinking the wrong wine and they're feeling horrible all the time after it, and it starts this whole endless loop of feeling guilty and not sticking to their diet, or women are completely avoiding it because they think that it can't be used on a low carb or ketogenic diet. So I love chatting with you because you guys offer an option for both those ladies who want to drink wine and not have any of the side effects. And I say any really because. I don't have any side effects when I've had your wine in the past.
1: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I, I drink wine every day. That's an occupational hazard. Uh, it's the reason I got in the business, not because I drink wine every day, but <laughs> because I wanted to feel better about drinking wine. It's just crazy what's in conventional wines and how difficult it is to actually get natural wine that uh, meets our criteria. And so to your point, actually, You know, I don't experience any negative side effects from drinking our wines. I I don't drink anything but wine, a variety of reasons. Spirits are too high in alcohol, and it surprises a lot of people to hear me say this because they think, oh, this guy's here to sell wine, but alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin, and a lot of people shouldn't drink at all, and so, and if you're one of those people, then I don't think you should drink. You shouldn't even drink our wine, and so, but for the people who do choose to drink and who have, you know, relatively good experience with it, then I think how and what you drink is really important. Mm -hmm. So spirits are too high in alcohol. I don't think that, well, we know that alcohol is, is not healthy. Only moderate amounts of alcohol are healthy. And so I don't drink spirits because they're too high in alcohol and then beer or other ciders. I don't drink because they're too high in sugar. And so, you know, for me, wine is the only thing that I drink. And then when I do drink wine, of course, I'm drinking our wines, which are low alcohol, sugar free, additive free and organically or biodynamically farmed and lab tested by us for purity. And so and it makes a huge difference in how you feel, as you know, and particularly for women and particularly for women with red wine. So there's a lot of women I meet when events were happening. I would meet thousands and thousands of women because we're the official wine for virtually every health event in the United States and around the world. And so now events are not happening so often, but they will return, of course. But I've met thousands of women. They all tell me the same thing. or many will say, you know, I love red wine, but I can't drink it. And, you know, it gives me headaches or makes me feel flush. And they think it's sulfites. But generally speaking, It's histamines and tyramine, uh, biogenetic amines, that are present in red wines but are not present in whites. So, And the way red wines are made with conventional wine has an elevated histamine content. And so, generally speaking, that's what are making women feel flush or a tightness in their frontal lobe or spotty or that primarily comes from red wine. Those women don't have that reaction with our red wines. So it's an opportunity for them to return to drinking red wine when they have historically only been able to drink whites. And particularly as they age, it becomes more pronounced.
0: Perfect Keto creates the ultimate products for making the keto lifestyle easier and more effective. Many of their products are dairy-free, made in the USA, gluten-free, doctor-approved, and use zero fillers. From exogenous ketones to boost your ketone levels for mental clarity, MCT oil powder for making your coffee fatty and creamy without the dairy, Beauty and Sleep Collagen, a collagen-rich combination of L-theanine and magnesium to help insomnia, stress, and anxiety that also benefits your hair, skin, and nails and so much more. But can we talk for a moment about this beauty and sleep collagen? I'm really enjoying the turmeric coconut latte flavor, an awesome after-dinner snack when I just want a little something. With just 40 calories, 2 grams of carbs, and 7 grams of protein, it hits the spot, helping my after-dinner sweet tooth and leads to better Zs. Like, for real, I took it for the first time in the early afternoon and had to have a nap. Get 20% off anything in their shop by going to perfectketo.com slash keto diet pod and use the coupon code KDP20 for 20% off your entire order. KDP20 coupon code can only be used once. So use it wisely over at perfectketo.com slash keto diet pod. And so when you were speaking about the items in conventional wine, you chatted about the sulfites. Is there anything else or anything in addition to that that people may not know about? I know when I tell people that most of the wines out there contain sugar, they're like, how? What? It's wine. Why would it? It's not sweet at all. But what are the other things that are in a conventional wine that somebody could be reacting to?
1: Yeah, let me touch on the the sugar thing for just a moment because just because a wine contains sugar doesn't mean that it tastes sweet. And the reason for that is because the acid level in wines is quite high. And so you can even as taste professionals, wines can contain sugar and we don't taste it. I can sometimes feel it, but I can't always taste it. The only way we know if a wine is sugar-free is to lab test it. And so that way we Know with certainty the sugar content. Here's the problem with wine and your knowledge of what you're putting in your body is that wine doesn't have a contents label on it. It's the only major food product that is not required to have a contents label. Number two, it doesn't have any nutritional information. It's not required. Nobody puts nutritional, except for us, puts nutritional information on a bottle. And so Which is the primary thing I'm looking for in nutritional information where uh, wine is concerned is whether it contains carbohydrate or, I mean, whether it contains sugar and carbs. So, but we can come back to that in a moment. Let's talk about the dirty, dark secret of the wine business, and that's additives. There are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Now, everything I'm going to tell you about wine, everything I've already mentioned, and everything I'm about to tell you about wine is easily verified through a Google search. If you search FDA approved wine additives, you'll find the list of 76. Now, some of them are natural, but some of them are also quite toxic. The problem is you don't know which ones are in your wine because there's no contents label and they're not required to disclose it. So, of these 76 additives, the wine industry's been able to keep this a secret because they've spent millions of dollars in lobby money in Washington, D.C. to keep contents labels off of wine bottles. Now, how does all this originate? Well, it goes back to money and greed. And here's what I mean by that. In America, we scale greed, right? So, what's happened in the wine industry is the same thing that's happened in our food supply. So, basically, there's been massive corporate consolidation fueled by debt and Wall Street money, greed. So, the top three wine companies, the largest three wine conglomerates in the United States, make over 52% of U.S. wine. So when you go into a grocery store or a bottle shop and you see these rows and rows and rows of wine, hundreds of different types of wines, most of those wines are made in the same factories by the same group of people. And they hide behind these multi-billion dollar marketing and manufacturing conglomerates of wine hide behind thousands of brands and labels to confuse you. They don't want you to know that it's all coming out of the same factory. So the top 30 wine companies in the United States make over 70% of U.S. wines. So again, it's very confusing. Now, here's what's happening in conventional wine. You've got industrial farming practices using toxic chemicals in farming irrigation, name of our company is Dry Farm Wines, as you know, we don't allow irrigation to be used on any vines. Irrigation is not necessary to grow a grapevine. Grapevines have been growing for 10,000 years on, on the planet, all in some of the harshest places in the world, like Sicily, which is basically a volcanic island and very hot. So, irrigation is not required to grow wine. So, you got toxic industrial farming practices which are ubiquitous everywhere you have because it's cheaper and easier and makes for a higher yield as does irrigation when you feed when you feed a vine extra water and nutrients in the way of liquid nitrogen which it comes in through irrigation you get larger yields with bigger clusters of fruit and it might not surprise you when the fruit berries are filled with water from irrigation they weigh more well Fruit sold by the ton, so the more it weighs, the more it's worth. So all of this comes back to sort of like cheaper, faster, not better, healthier. So there's no goal here to make healthier wine. The goal is to make it cheaper and faster, and that. So that's sort of what's happened in the industrial complex of wine manufacturing. Now you know they want to. They very smart, multi-billion-dollar marketing conglomerates. So the way they sell wine is through story and uh, and ratings ratings are oftentimes politically and advertising charged and the you know the story uh, is goes like this they have a picture of a chateau or a farmhouse on the label and want you to believe that this is made in some small farmhouse somewhere when in fact it's made in a massive wine manufacturing facility most of them located in the Central Valley of California so this is what's happened this is what's driving this whole unhealthy wine uh phenomena that's been going on for about 30 years right so when you turn back the clock like 50 years ago 60 years ago all wines were natural people say because dry farm wines we sell natural wine and so i tell people what i do i say i'm in the natural wine business and they're like oh aren't all wines natural and for reasons that i've just described to you they're not so let's talk about what a natural wine is that's a very specific category of wine it's universally known. It's known all around the world what a natural wine is by wine professionals. A lot of consumers don't understand it, but it's become more popular in recent years. When we started selling and promoting natural wines as a healthier way to drink, nobody had ever heard of a natural wine, but now they've become quite popular because you just feel better. So, But we took natural wine and we added a bunch of additional criteria based on our health specifications. We were health and fitness enthusiasts. That's how we got into business. And so we said, well, natural wine is not, not enough. It's also got to be lower in alcohol. Not all natural wines are low alcohol. And it's got to be sugar-free. Not all natural wines are sugar-free. So we put in place some additional criteria over and above natural. But let's talk about what a natural wine is. Because again, it's very confusing to people who don't know. Natural wines have basically three... Uh, requirements. One, natural wine is always organically or biodynamically farmed. And biodynamic farming is an advanced prescriptive form of organic farming. And you can find it online if you're interested. It was created by Rudolf Steiner in the 1920s in response to, see, polyagriculture and chemical farming really started in the mid-1920s. And so, this is when there was the advent and the introduction of chemicals to farming. And so there were people who believed in the connected source of nature. See, we, like I believe that, you know, nature for a couple billion years had an opportunity to figure out how to connect everything together and everything be connected to the universal source of nature. So nature works fine on its own, it has a whole system of survival and a whole system of abundance. And so mankind came along and started interrupting that using chemicals and monocultural, monoagriculture. So growing single crops as opposed to polyagriculture, which is how natural farms are run. So a natural farm is biodiverse. It has, you know, it has livestock, it has bees, it has orchards, it has plants and vines and ducks. And, you know, it, 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 all of these things are connected to make for a healthy farm life and for a farm that thrives without the use of chemicals. So in the 1920s, in the mid-1920s, chemical farming started to emerge. Actually, it started very early. It's hard to think about that, that chemical farming started that long ago, but it's in the mid-1920s. Rudolf Steiner, who was an Austrian scientist and author, uh, created biodynamic farming, and it's quite lengthy so we won't get into it but if you're interested in biodynamic farming you can just google it but it is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming so all natural wines are always grown organically chemical free or without uh, or biodynamically number two and this is really important this is a big one this is a hard one number two natural wines are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast Okay well, what does all that mouth film mean? On the skin of every grape berry at the time of harvest is a white waxy film on the skin of the grape. You can see it you can scrape it with your fingernail. It's this white waxy film. It's actually yeast and that yeast is collected on the grape on the berry. This is every berry in the world has this yeast on it. Now we'll talk about what conventional, Wineries do with this yeast, but this yeast is on. It's, it's collected in the air in the vineyard. Why it's called a wild native indigenous yeast, indigenous to that vineyard, and so and the yeast will be different all over the world. It will vary from vineyard to vineyard, but this wild native yeast is indigenous to that vineyard. Now, natural wines are always fermented using this wild native yeast in what's called a spontaneous fermentation. Why it's called a spontaneous fermentation is because if you press the juice which is filled with sugar, from a grape berry, and it comes in contact with yeast, it will spontaneously ferment. So natural wines are always fermented spontaneously with this native yeast. Now, the reason commercial winemakers don't use them is because these yeasts are very fragile, and they're difficult to work with, and you can't make wine in large quantities with native yeast. It's just too unstable. Native yeast will also die in a higher alcohol environment. In the wine environment today, oftentimes wines are very high in alcohol, so the native yeast will not survive that. So here's what happens in the conventional wine factory. What happens is that they press the juice from the berries, and then they dump sulfur dioxide into the juice, killing the native yeast. And then they inoculate the juice with a lab-cultured genetically modified yeast, Now, this genetically modified yeast is very sturdy. It's been cultured to be strong and stable. And you can make wine in gigantic volumes with it because it's very dependable. This cultured yeast is also can be developed to have certain flavor profiles. You know, I tell people like you can buy a yeast that a cultured yeast this GMO yeast. You can buy it to have it taste like it's from Italy. Right? So you can have a Mediterranean tasting wine. So they sell these yeast in different flavor profiles. And the, the best way to compare that when you think about it, you know, when people make sourdough bread, they've always, somebody's got the better mother, right? the better mother yeast. And so people trade these yeast back and forth in, you know, in the craft of sourdough bread making. Because the yeast, different yeast impart different complexes of flavor. We have the same thing in wine yeast, except that they're manufactured to have certain flavor profiles. Number three, they also will withstand a higher alcohol environment than a native yeast. And so all these things are right on the package of these manufactured marketed yeasts. You'll say, you know, withstand alcohol up to 18%, you know, flavor profiles of X. So these lab cultured yeast are used almost exclusively in commercial winemaking because you can make wine in very large volumes and you have these other attributes that I've described about the yeast. Natural winemakers never use these yeast. Always use spontaneous fermentation with the native yeast. What does all that mean for our health? We don't really know because there's no research around it. So, but what we do know is that we want to drink a natural native product, right? I mean, just because we like to eat and drink in the highest and purest way possible. Number three, cornerstone of natural wine, they're additive free. So, as I mentioned, there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Our wines are also vegan. They're free of any animal products. So there are two types of animal products that are approved by the FDA for the use of winemaking. Again, you don't know whether they're in your wine or not because there's no, there are no, no contents labels describing to you what's in the wine. By the way, those two animal products, one is egg whites, which are used for fining, which is a way of clarifying or bringing in lipidity. Lipidity is the clarity of wine. And so natural wine is sometimes not perfectly clear because it hasn't been filtered, fined, and it doesn't because it's just natural. And fining is, a, is an intervention into the wine. Filtering is an intervention, a man-made intervention into the wine. So, and the second product is fish bladders. Fish bladders are also used to stabilize wine. So I, we don't allow the use of any of these products in our wines, in the wines that are made for us. So, they're vegan and animal-free. So, anyway, that pretty much, you know, in addition to, as I mentioned earlier, we require that the wines be sugar-free, lower in alcohol, so we don't accept any wines over 12.5%, and we have wines as low as 6% alcohol. So, you know, we believe that drinking less alcohol makes for a healthier life and and a healthier brain. And, you know, the fact is, if you overindulge in alcohol, it doesn't matter what you're drinking, you're going to have a hangover because alcohol is going to induce the primary driver of hangovers. It's dehydration from just drinking too much alcohol. So anyway, that I, my job is to educate people, to help people decide if, they're, if you're going to drink, and I happen to love wine. I don't love alcohol, but I do love wine. And if you're going to drink, then you should make healthy choices and be informed about how to think about drinking healthier wines.
0: Completely. Wow. That's so much. I had no idea. Well, I did because we've chatted before about the egg white piece, but I remember, you know, working with clients on more of an AIP protocol and they would be reacting to wine. And now I often wonder, I mean, um, there are many things in there, but egg whites being one of them with people with allergies, that's not a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of crazy that, you know, we started eating You know, 20 years ago or so, probably 30 years ago, we started eating, you know, organically and really thinking a lot more about what we put in our body, but nobody was talking about wine and nobody knew. And, you know, people were thinking wine is a healthy choice for drinking. And that's true, it's much healthier than. Beer or cider much healthier than spirits because it's lower because any wine is lower in alcohol than spirits. But but then people started getting sick and feeling really bad, particularly women from drinking wine, and particularly from red wines. And then white wines were often very high in sugar. Mm -hmm. And so you know if you care about what you put in your body, if you care about sugar, if you care about alcohol, you should care about alcohol. Everybody should care about alcohol and how we use alcohol as an enhancement to, you know, social settings. I don't drink during the daytime. I don't recommend anybody else does either. You know, I drink at night around the dinner table with family and friends. And and wine is a beautiful thing in this way, especially natural wine, where you're just going to feel better and you have a lower alcohol. This lower alcohol thing is a very big deal because when you drink lower alcohol wines, you experience. You get high. Don't worry. People say, well, am I going gonna, 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 to get high? Yeah, you get high for sure. It's just different. It's slower. It's more gentle. It's more spiritual. It's more ethereal. The other thing about natural wines is worth noting because natural wines have not been sterilized with sulfur dioxide. So here's what happens with conventional wines. They get The wine gets sterilized with a high dose of sulfur dioxide, so it kills everything living in the wine, including the gut-friendly bacteria that exist in natural wines. Those are not present in commercial wines. Dr. David Perlmutter, New York Times bestselling author on the relationship between the brain and the gut microbiome, has written several times on social media about our wines and the three gut-friendly bacteria that exist in natural wines because they have not been what we call mummified or killed, right? So why do they kill these wines? Why do they sterilize them? Well, because they want a long shelf life and these bacteria are living and they want to McDonalize the wine. They want to make sure every bottle tastes the same bottle after bottle. And you when, when you have a living wine that has living bacteria in it, you're not always guaranteed that every bottle is going to taste exactly the same because every bottle is unique to the bacteria that's in the bottle. Now, they don't taste wildly different. I mean, I drink the same wines night after night oftentimes because I have some favorites and rarely notice any bottle-to-bottle variation. But in these conventional wines where they're dealing with millions and millions of bottles of a certain wine, they want to make sure that, that that wine tastes exactly the same on every single bottle. And the only way to guarantee that is to kill the wine, kill all the living bacteria in it to ensure that there's no bottle-to-bottle variation. So anyway, that's another really notable difference between natural wines and, and conventional wines is this use of sulfur dioxide, which then creates high sulfites. And for people who are sensitive to sulfites, then they get this higher exposure to sulfur dioxide.
0: I've been on an iron-boosting kick. About six months ago, I discovered my iron levels were dangerously low. Why? Well, because I like plants, and I eat a lot of plants on my ketogenic diet. And when you do not combine vitamin C with plant-based iron foods, the iron cannot be absorbed. Now, vitamin C-based foods are kind of lacking in the ketogenic diet. It's not impossible to get enough, but it is a challenge. So I started supplementing with Paleo Valley Essential C, and in just three short months, I doubled my iron level. Extreme fatigue, weakness, fluttering heartbeat or shortness of breath, headache, dizziness or lightheadedness, cold hands and feet, inflammation of the tongue, brittle nails. These are all symptoms of low iron, and I had all of them. Sitting on the lower end of normal iron, levels can deliver some of these symptoms, and it's very unpleasant, let me tell you. Coupled with the immune-boosting component of vitamin C, you really can't go wrong with this one-two punch in your ketogenic diet. And why Paleo Valley Essential C? It's third-party lab tested as the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the market today. It contains not one, but three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C, amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe aceola cherry, the most potent source of natural vitamin C on earth, which is 120 times higher than that found in an orange. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% your RDI of vitamin C, an amount meant to help you thrive, not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains the entire spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C, just organic superfoods. makes a huge difference. Head on over to paleovalley.com Dot .com load up grab a couple of bottles of vitamin C complex whatever else that catches your eye the superfood bars are amazing if you need a recommendation then enter the code keto at checkout to receive 15% off your first order again that's paleovalley.com and the code keto for 15% off your first order and I can tell from myself personally, in my experience, I don't like to get drunk. The drunk is not my part of my MO. And so to be able to have a glass of wine, like one glass and just get like a tiny light buzz and then get on with my life is quite nice to not, you know, get hit with all that alcohol. I agree with you. It's just too, it's so much. Now, you spoke just lightly about the neurotoxins. Are there anything else you want to speak to in regards to alcohol being a neurotoxin and just the dangers of having, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just stick with a vodka, soda, or can we talk a little bit more about why that might not be ideal if they're looking to better their health?
1: Everybody who drinks, I'll I'll tell you another, uh, look, if you're going to drink spirits, which I don't, I don't drink them because I don't love alcohol and I don't like the effect of having too much alcohol or too much alcohol too quickly. And so, but the other thing to avoid if you are drinking spirits is to avoid the combination of sugar and alcohol, right? Like in mixed drinks with with sweet mixers or, and I'll tell you how you just anecdotally know. Many people will know about why sugar and alcohol are such a nasty combination on how you feel. If you have a shot of tequila, that's a very different outcome than having a margarita. So if you have a margarita or three, or you had three shots of tequila without any of the sugar, you're going to feel much, much better with the tequila as opposed to the sugar. It just, it just produces a nasty hangover. And so, but in the biohacking and in the health community, there's a lot of people who recommend that, you drink tequila because it's it's distilled and it's pure and it's made from a plant. And generally speaking, I, I mean, I can agree with that because it is clean distilled. Uh, it is made from a plant. The problem is that it's additive free. The problem is that it's 45% alcohol. And so for me, I just don't want that kind of club in the head. And so when you drink you know, very high alcohol drinks, you just have a very different experience than drinking a lower alcohol beverage like low alcohol wine. The wines I drink are generally between 9 and 11% alcohol. Standard American wines are nearly 15% on average today. So the other thing we don't allow that we also believe brings toxicity into wine, not all wines, but some, is the use of new oak. And so it's a very popular flavor enhancer to have new oak in red wines, particularly in premium red wines. And we don't allow the use of any new oak in our wines because we believe it imparts methanol and other dangerous byproducts into the wine that I can drink an oaky wine, I'll immediately get a headache, immediately. And so, you know, there's just a lot lot going on. But as it relates to alcohol, I, when I was younger, I drank spirits and had what I would fairly characterize as a, Tenuous relationship with alcohol in my probably twenties and thirties, but uh, and then started drinking wine exclusively in my forties, and started drinking natural wine six years ago, and I can't drink conventional wines anymore. They make me feel bad the moment I drink them, and I don't like the taste of them. Uh, they're too heavy and syrupy, and they're made this way to appeal to the American palate, which you know the the typical American palate likes. Bold, dark, rich, dense, and sweet. And when I say sweet, I don't mean like necessarily like sappy sweet. I'm just talking about the Americans talk about the long finish on a wine. Well, long finish on a wine is a sugar derivative, right? And so, and let's talk about sh- how sugar gets in wine because this is also confusing to people. Sugar is not added to wine. Now, the only time wine gets sugar added to it is if it's a sparkling wine and it's a secondary fermentation. But sugar's not added to wine. Sugar gets in wine from the winemaker breaking the fermentation before the sugar is eaten by the yeast. So here's how you make wine. Remember, I mentioned earlier that in a natural wine, you have spontaneous fermentation. But in a commercial wine, you have an inoculated fermentation. But either way... The way you make wine is that you squeeze, you press, press the juice from the berries and that juice goes into a tank and it's full of sugar. It's very sweet. And then you either have a spontaneous fermentation in natural wines, which happen naturally, or in conventional wine, they kill the native yeast and then they inoculate it with the lab cultured yeast. Either way, the yeast does the same thing. The yeast eats the sugar. That's the yeast... Food source. And so it's like Little Pac Man. The yeast are going around eating sugar and having a happy time because that's their food. If the wine is allowed to fully ferment, meaning the yeast eats all available sugar, then the yeast will die because they don't have any food source. But in conventional wines, what's usually happening in order to get sugar in the wine is that they kill the yeast with sulfur dioxide before it completes its fermentation. So here's how it's done there's this little device that goes in the tank that shows you exactly how much sugar is left in the wine during your fermentation process. It also tells you the health of the fermentation. You know the fermentation is progressing uh, nicely and, and robustly. So you can see this little device. It's quite unsophisticated, but this little device measures the amount of sugar that's left in the juice. If a winemaker wants to leave sugar behind in the wine, what's called residual sugar, or RS as it's known in the industry this residual sugar is how sugar gets in wine. So when they have the desired amount of sugar left in the wine, then they pour sulfur dioxide in the wine for the second time. Remember, they poured sulfur dioxide in it once already to kill the native yeast. Now they're pouring sulfur dioxide in it again to kill the cultured yeast in order to stop the fermentation, leaving sugar behind. And then they're going to use an even larger dose of sulfur dioxide at bottling in order to kill the wine and kill all living bacteria in it. So conventional wines usually get three doses of sulfur dioxide, which is how they get so high in sulfites.
0: That's just incredible. Like, it really makes you think of just how... Oh, how many things you have to think of, you know, I know a couple of years ago, it became really popular to start thinking about what's in your food and, you know, all the different food companies that are involved. And, you know, Nestle just bought one of our supplement companies that we really love pure encapsulations. And now, you know, we're just waiting for the ball to drop on that changing. And so it's, it's encouraging to hear that there are people like you and your team that are looking for better sources of things. And, you know, there's so many great businesses out there trying to make a difference. And also discouraging to be like, Oh, great. Now I have to look at my alcohol content too. And just all the things, but it's so good to have like thoroughly educated and super passionate people like yourself, Todd, just going through this and being so open to chat about these things. I I always love hearing you talk about wine, which is fascinating because I never thought I would say those things. But you chatted a little bit about um, lab testing, and I'd love to just pick your brain here at the end to just kind of talk about how you guys source your wines, what sort of testing you do, and your buying practices. I know we've talked about the natural wines and what you look for, but what does that look like? Are you doing all this yourself, or are you partnering with farms, or how does that look like for you know, when I go to your website and I start purchasing things, where am I getting these from and what does that look like?
1: Right. So we don't produce any wine. We're the largest buyer of natural wines in the world. And so in the natural wine movement, natural wine revolution, people know who we are. And in the beginning, how we would source these wines to your, since we don't produce them, we work with about 800 small family farms around the world. Most of them are in Europe. We have a dozen or so growers in South America, and we have five growers in South Africa. The rest of them are spread across Europe. France is the leading country in in the natural wine movement. It's sort of where the natural wine revolution began. Because remember, I said you can't make natural wine in great quantities because native yeast does not perform well in volume. That We have to work with so many different farms because none of them make it very large volume use also because they don't irrigate and they organically farm. All of these things are more difficult and more expensive and just much more difficult to do at scale. So we work with about 800 small family farms around the world. It's worth noting. We do not sell domestic wine. There's no wines made in the United States that meet all of our purity and health criteria. And so uh, and we always refer to them as growers because natural wine is grown. It's not made. With natural wine, you already have everything you need to make the wine and to ferment is contained in the grape. So you have the native yeast, which is on the skin, and you have sugar in the grape. That's all that's required to to make a natural wine. So natural wines are really grown. They're not made. There's nothing put in them. There's nothing altered about them. So, But we source... We travel all over the world historically. We did not travel in 2020, but we've started traveling again now. We travel all over the world meeting with these farms and natural wine growers. Initially, we before we became who we are and before we were well known in the industry, would go to natural wine fairs. There are three in the United States, primarily that are European growers three natural wine fairs that are hosted by the same natural wine company and based in london called raw raw wine but in europe there are about 50 natural wine fairs most of them occur in the winter and at these natural wine fairs, growers will will come together and show their wines to buyers or the public it's mainly a public thing it's not it's not a big thing these are very small kind of, you know, halfway organized sort of fairs where people gather and exchange ideas and other and drink each other's wines and the public comes in. And there are a few buyers. We're one of them. And so that's how we initially started to find these natural wine growers was through natural wine fairs in Europe. And then since then, because we're because we are who we are and we're a well-known force within the natural wine revolution because of the amount of wine that we buy. And we don't really think of ourselves as a wine company. We really think of ourselves as a health food company that sells wine, right? I mean, we're all health and fitness enthusiasts, and that's sort of how we got in this business. And so we were very odd animal for the wine industry, the natural wine industry, because we were really focused on health and we were doing lab testing. So we'd go to these fairs, we would have little test tubes. And we would be, you know, collecting uh, samples to lab tests before we would commit to buy these wines. And so it was very, you know, we were just sort of an odd duck. And the other thing is we didn't buy wines over 12 percent alcohol. And so in our testing regimen, a few of the things that we're looking for, we're testing for alcohol. Well, why would we test for alcohol? It's on the bottle. Well, the problem is the, the amount of alcohol stated on the wine bottle. By law, is not required to be accurate. It's another collusion between the government and the wine industry. So just because alcohol is stated on the wine bottle, it's not required to be accurate. So we want to know exactly how much alcohol is in it because we have a limit, and we believe that drinking lower alcohol wines is super important. So we're – and then we're testing for sugars, both glucose and fructose. Uh, We're testing for sulfites to make sure that extra sulfur has not been added to the wine. And so the U.S. legal limit is 39 is, is. 350 parts per million. That's the US legal limit on, on sulfur. 350 parts per million. Our wines average 39 parts per million. And so, which are all naturally, let me be clear about sulfites. They get in wine two ways. All fermented products, sauerkraut, kombucha, all fermented products contain sulfites. It, they're naturally occurring in anything that's fermented. And, and tons of other foods contain sulfites as well. So, we know that naturally occurring sulfites won't exceed 70 parts per million, so we have a limit at 70 parts, but our average wine is 39 parts per million, so they're all naturally occurring sulfites. So we're testing for that. We're testing for pH balance and other technical wine things that, that we're we're testing for as well. So we would show up at these wine fairs, and even now when we go and we meet a new farmer or when and we're... You know, we have these little test tubes and we're gathering samples and it's quite bizarre. Nobody's ever seen anything like this because you know, nobody cared. Except that we cared for a health point of view. Nobody had ever really sold wine or thought about wine as health in the way that we do. At the detailed kind of I mean, we're just neurotic about it. Like we drink the same wines we sell and we're like as I mentioned, we're like super, super committed to health practices. I mean personally I I do intermittent fasting daily. I only eat once per day for the last five years. I do regular extended water fast three to five days at least once a month. I'm on a modified ketogenic diet, low carb. I'm sugar free. You know, I mean, I'm super committed to a healthy way of life. And so, which is how I got in this business and discovered all this and then brought this to other people. And it turns out there's a few million other people who care about it too. And so, and there are lots of people who drink wine who also care deeply about their health and what they put in their body. So anyway, when we, we travel and we inspect farms and, but the thing is, you don't, with the natural wine movement and revolution, it's really more of an ethos, You don't have, like, capitalist-driven people who are, like, trying to make a bunch of money making natural wine or trying to skirt the rules or trying to pose be a poser for natural wine. It's just not like that at all. The natural wine movement is a bunch of hippies, right, who really – they're not thinking about it from a health point of view per se – they're thinking about it from an earth and nature point of view. They're thinking about it as a preservation of a way of life for their children. They're thinking about their families. They Most of these farms, everyone in the family works on the farm. They're also biodiverse, as I mentioned. They're not just wine growers. They have olives and other orchards or livestock or, or fowl or chickens and ducks. And these are working farms where all, usually not exclusively, but almost always, the entire family works on the farm. And most of the time, they only eat and consume what they produce on the farm or what their neighbors produce, right? So it's kind of a way of life. They're just like hippie activists who care about soil. They care about living soils. So when you go to a natural wine farm, I live in the Napa Valley, so when you come to Napa and you go to a tasting, you go to a winery, you go into some architecturally driven sort of tasting room, and you have this sort of hospitality experience, and the tasting rooms are quite elaborate, and it's very commercial. When you go to a natural farm, there is no tasting room. There, you don't even – the focus is not on tasting initially. When you go to a natural wine farm, the focus is on the vineyard. So immediately, as soon as you arrive, you don't taste wine. You go to the vineyard because the farmer wants to talk to you about his soil. He wants to show you the soil. He wants you to hold the soil. He wants you to see the type of rock that's in the soil because this affects the minerality of his wine. He, he wants you, he or she wants you to, to, to understand the life and the story of his soil because that's his life is his soil. And the connected spirit that is nature, he wants you to see the farm and understand why the farm is a healthy place, a healthy place for agriculture and a healthy place for his family or her family and for their children. And so that it's just a different kind of focus. Now, you, you do get around to tasting wine, but that's in the cellar because there is no tasting room. You just go to the cellar, or sometimes you're invited into their kitchen at their house, and you might have a meal with them or taste wine at their kitchen table. There's no tasting room. And the crazy thing about this is that most natural wine is sold in the wintertime, meaning the farmer is between cycles. So he's not yet pruned for a spring budding, but he's finished bottling and fermenting his wine in November, December. And so most natural wine sales... And these fairs occur between January and March, because April you get bud break, which is when the the you have to prune and the vines you know come back alive from being in hibernation in the winter. So it's very cold across Europe. Europe is very cold in January and February, but still, and this is always indelible to me because when you go visit them, the very first thing they want to do, it's raining or snowing, the wind is blowing, it's cold. And the very first thing they want to do is take you to the vineyard. And you might stay out there for 30 minutes or an hour in the cold while he's talking to you or she is talking to you about soil health. It's just crazy, right? You're super cold and uh, and you're thinking, you know, we could probably go back in now. But, of course, you want to hear their story. And they're so enthusiastic about the soil life, right? So that's just who these people are. It's an ethos. It's a way of life for them. It's nobody trying to kind of game the system or anything. I hope that makes sense.
0: I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Oh, it totally does. It sounds like a really wonderful community, really. That's kind of what it sounds like, which is just so incredibly wonderful. And thanks for painting that wonderful picture for all of us to really understand Yeah, what it's like for you guys as you search for more products and such and i i understand you guys are getting into something new um can you explain a little bit about your new venture and kind of what's going on with that i know very little about it other than perhaps the name bolixir is that did i say that right yes i haven't had a chance to look at it could you tell us briefly what that's about
1: yeah so it's a, a super low alcohol botanical wine so uh, what i mean by that is that it is a wine that has been that's been blended with organic herbal teas so what we were trying to achieve is sort of the or what we have achieved is the the health properties of herbs and teas along with lowering the alcohol down in the wine so when you blend these herbal teas and flowers with the wine, then you're able to, to lower the alcohol. And we wanted to produce a health-driven, super low-alcohol wine. So these wines are between 6 and 8%. They're very, very light and fresh. They're very aromatic. They, you know, have, they have these incredible herbs that uh, the most popular one is an elderberry flower tea. Uh, and that's been infused with sparkling wine. Then we have lavender and uh, rose hips and dandelion and mint that have been gently brewed. These are all organic and sun-dried herbs and flowers that have been then created into these very light and fresh teas that are then blended with the wine. So the name "elixir" is really a botanical elixir. And it doesn't taste exactly like wine because the alcohol level is so low. When you remove al- alcohol from wine, you remove density. And at some point, usually around 8%, 7 or 8%, it doesn't start to taste like wine anymore as you know it. And so in order to sort of make that more interesting, we brought these these amazing sun-dried organic herbs and flowers into the beverage so it's just a very light and fresh and super low alcohol alternative beverage to you know a more traditional wine they're delicious people love them Uh, people still drink more natural wine than they do bolixir for sure it's just a lower alcohol alternative
0: that's awesome well todd thank you so much again for coming on the show today I'll include links to your site so people can check it out. Um, The link, if you guys want it, is dryfarmwines.com slash Leanne Vogel. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. And, yeah, thanks again for coming on.
1: Yeah, it was a great time. Thanks for having me again. And really, really appreciate your interest in what we're doing and your support and friendship. And it's it's been terrific. Thanks so much again to have me on today.
0: I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Again, you can go to dryfarmwines.com slash Leanne Vogel to check out Dry Farm Wines. And by using that link, I'll also include it in the show notes. If you have no idea where to go, just click around the app that you're using, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, click down below and you'll see the link. So use that link and you can get an extra bottle for a penny. So if you choose like the six pack or the 12 pack, you can get an extra bottle. Okay. That That's it for today. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast very soon. Okay, bye.